Welcome to Saucer Cinema, the podcast about UFOs, aliens, and otherworldly phenomena in film, TV, and other media. I'm your host, Alex. You are listening to part two of our Life Force episode with Jen Albright and Bitter Corella. How long were the vampires like even on planet Earth? It's been like 24 hours. And then London looks like War of the Worlds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just, you know, it tears through London like a fucking knife through butter. <laughs> Good for her, to be honest. We stand. Yes. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so this scene with Patrick Stewart's kind of funny. Like, so, yeah, they, they, they try, so they, so. Stephen Rosback gathers that she's not there in in the nurse anymore, so the nurse is kind of just like left to her devices. He throws her aside like a doll. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, and he makes her finish off. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Gets her started and doesn't doesn't finish the job. It's like, what an asshole. So inconsiderate. Oh. Yeah. Typical man. <laughs> yeah, and, and 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 you know, so they, but then they, you know, um, they uh, they they ask about some like there's some patient who uh, like some kind of child murderer or something. Yeah, the um, because the uh, the doctor spaceman is all like, do you have a patient who's like fat, bald, and has like a big birthmark on their face? Oh, that's right, that's right, yeah. And yeah, Patrick Stewart is like, oh yeah, the child murderer, and um, uh. We're, we're like and then he's like but he's got the iq of a child so we're like so does he murder children or is he just a childlike person who murders i'm not really clear yes but he he gathers that uh unbeknownst to everybody else matilda may is in patrick stewart so they do like a little um little ruse to uh get a hold of patrick stewart's character and um they uh they look like they're about to go get the uh the child murderer and um, put inject him with some I guess some cocktail. Pentothal and morphine. Yeah. <laughs> For when you want to hit the ground running. Yeah. <laughs> they turn around and then, of course, grab uh, Patrick Stewart's character. Dr. Armstrong. Dr. Armstrong, yeah. yes. They uh, take him to this uh, room and, uh, you know, um, they're just like, bring more of the bring more of the penthal or whatever. I, I do love that orderly who's just like game to play along. Yeah, after after a while, he's just he look. You could just see him get more exasperated. Like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. With this guy? yeah, and I made a note as I was watching this, which is this: this was an era when white men asked for things and received them, no questions asked. <laughs> yes, like later in the movie, Cain uh, Peter Firth he re- he asked for and receives not only a vehicle but a sidearm. Yeah, <laughs> just because. It's like, hey, everything's falling the fuck apart, man. Like, Godspeed. Yeah. <laughs> Which is interesting, like, you know, not to, like, re-derail, but just really quickly. Um, it's funny watching this in, in 2021, like the post-9-11 era, where everything is uh, everything is about security and lockdown and the 
um, the agents of the state, you know, like law enforcement, the military, et cetera, are like rule with impunity. Yeah. Um, very different time was 1985. But I'm sorry, I think I, I think I derailed you because we were talking about um, Dr. Armstrong being discovered to, he's harboring Matilda May. And so they try and, you know, hypnotize him to get it, get it out of him. And, uh, so, uh, and they, yeah, so this is like, this is like where, where Corella was talking about the face melting. Yeah. Uh, Sir Percy's face also <laughs> melts since he's dead at this point. Um, <laughs> I don't know why, but it, it does. Yeah. <laughs> it's British. Like, so the rules are made up and the points don't matter, you know? Yeah. So. Well, I mean, it is, it is, it is like psy horror. So you definitely want like gross kills. Like that's why you put your your five bucks down or whatever. Yeah, I mean this is this is the money shot of the film, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess the the vampire fucking is pretty good too, but like. <laughs> yeah. So the you know he his face does all these weird melty contortions and like all, all this energy is like blasting everywhere and I don't know I I like the I like the optical effects in this they look pretty cool actually um I mean they they they, they did have like some like was was it John Dykstra doing John Dykstra yeah yeah doing the effects and stuff so like it was you know I mean they, they got some top names in here like Henry Mancini doing the music they got um you know oh yeah and I got I got to say like this was the thing this is the thing that I took away from that Cinematech screening was that that <laughs> theme sounds fucking incredible in six track mag like we were walking out of the theater as the credits were playing and i literally stopped because i was like oh my god this sounds so sick it sounds incredible <laughs> like it was um because uh you know like with six track mag like that's like the the naples ultra of like analog sound it just sounds so good and like in like a proper like screening room, like the Cinematheque, and it's a cool ass theme. I was humming it all day. Yeah, yeah, and it starts right off the bat. Yeah, it's cool. Exactly. It, it sets the tone of the movie. I mean, it's it's a very insistent, bombastic kind of thing. So mm -hmm. like, that's kind of what mm -hmm. the movie is doing. You know, it's like I think. Oops, sorry. Um. And uh, yeah, so I mean, that's it. That tone's pretty much just kept throughout the movie for the most part. Um. And this yeah. was written by the guy who gave us Moon River. Really? Oh, yeah. wow. Mm. My man's had a very uh, filmography. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and of course, um, the Pink Panther theme. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. So there's like this very like homoerotic moment there um, where like... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Getting a little spicy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's quite it's like again, it's just more it's more like repressed sexuality coming out and like uh coming out. Yeah. Um and, uh, <laughs> and it's, um it doesn't cuz uh I know there's that bit where Matilda May and Patrick Stewart are both talking like yeah, it's yeah. the voice of both at the same time. And then I think doesn't it end with like um oh god, the the Ridgeback kissing Patrick Stewart? Yeah, basically. Yeah. And it's like, oh, oh, interesting. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah this movie is just like, uh, it's just like sweating. It's just. <laughs> and honestly, like riskier than uh, a lot of the treatment of sexuality that we would encounter on Patrick Stewart's next big project, Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah. Because <laughs> that was a show which, um, you know, in spite of the incredible horniness of gene roddenberry um it pulled its punches somewhat with a lot of matters of of sexuality yeah um, like a lot rick berman 
Yeah, exactly right. Um, probably because of the misogyny and homophobia of its executive producer. But not in Life Force. Like, you're going to see Patrick Stewart tell Stephen Rails back that he loves him and they're going to kiss. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you just can't get that anywhere else. <laughs> I love Patrick Stewart. I, I, I guess because, like, Next Gen was, like, such a formative show for me as, like, a as a kid. And... I just really, really love Captain Picard. And, you know, because of Captain Picard, it's actually genuinely upsetting for me to see um, Patrick Stewart in a role where he's losing his self-possession. And it's not a thing that he's at all afraid to do. Um, He's really a great actor and will absolutely go buck wild if, if necessary. But, you know, any, any episodes of next gen where, um, Picard was at a disadvantage or like his personality was not, you know, like he'd been taken over by aliens or he was extremely vulnerable because he had traveled um, six hours back in, in time and he was not in phase with that particular dimension. Like to see him not incredibly self-possessed and in command was, was actually viscerally upsetting for me. And, you know, this movie's kind of no exception because once they, realize that he is indeed possessed by a space vampire like he fights back and just completely loses his shit and he's flailing around on the floor and like it's it's wild i was actually gonna ask you this did you see the picard show i haven't i after revisiting next gen it's kind of on my on my list to maybe check out because i'd heard mixed things about it i did not like it i thought it was bad but Mm. yeah i saw the first episode and I and I was kind of like I noped out because it was well my my thing and I, I may have mentioned this before is first of all it's like oh this is way too dark and and trying to yeah. be gritty and it's like that's not Star Trek but also at the very end where you realize that the real the main villains are the Romulans I'm just like no because this is my theory um, is in Star Trek you got five villain races right mm-hmm. uh, you got the Borg the Klingons Cardassians Ferengi romulans if mm-hmm. you want like a funny villain you do the frankie you want a cool villain you have um you know the uh the, the the klingons uh like like a fun cool villain the klingons you want like a scary villain the borg you want like a an actually kind of sinister like uh but human villain you get the cardassians you can't think of anything you do the romulans they're like <laughs> generic bad guy so it's like, okay, great. They clearly don't know where they're going if they're going to do Romulans. So no, there, there, there's a bunch of villains. I don't know. Yeah, I did not like it. It was just bad. My my wife was like, we have to watch the episode where, uh, you know, Riker's in it. Because uh, mm-hmm. she's really into, she's really into Riker right now. Jen, I don't know if you've noticed this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> why, why no? Tell me more. Yeah, so we watched the episode where he was in it, and, you know, she's all like, oh, he's making a pizza, oh my god, oh, he's got a beard, oh, you know, um, <laughs> that's pretty much, you know. And but then... I think that her objection to it was similar to yours in that, um, you know, Next Gen and Star Trek in general, because she also loves the original series, is kind of like her comfort food, and... Uh, Picard is apparently like a, a darker series for a darker time, so it wasn't really the escape she was hoping for, like Jonathan Frakes not notwithstanding. Like it continues a lot from the the vibe of that Discovery show, which I, is another show I don't particularly care for. Mm-hmm. Is uh, Discovery which one's Discovery? I, I it's the more remember. recent one. It's like the oh, one, okay, yeah, yeah. It's it's 
it's got its moments, but it's yeah, it's not that uh, good. Um, it's it's weird because it's like they they just can't. It's like they can't find their way back to the old Star Trek tone. It's like things are just too shitty to even feel like they can imagine <laughs> a uh, a bright yeah. future. I mean, you know, it, it's just like it's it just you just it's weird. It just feels like there's an innocence lost. At the, it's like I think how they why they can't ever redo Superman right. It's because the same thing. You know, yeah. things are just so fucking shitty. Well, now Superman's kissing boys, so oh no, <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> Actually, though, um, I will say this: Lower Decks is is pretty good. That one seems like they're kind of getting back. It feels very old Trek to me, um, but. I think they've got some freedom there because it's kind of almost a parody of Trek. So is that the cartoon thing? It's the cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's very weird because it's basically like, Hey, it's Rick and Morty, but we have to do the Star Trek rules. So we're kind of constrained and we can't just murder people randomly. And it's like, Oh, that actually makes the show tolerable because I can actually get attached to characters and not just assume, Oh, they're going to die at the end of the episode. Cause of course they will. So um, but anyway, yeah, yeah, that that one seems the closest to uh, to getting. Well, also noticeably, I think they they set it during Next Generation times because I think everyone's figured out like, look, just set it. People like Trek when it's Next Generation era, you know. It's it, Next Gen, Deep Space Nine, uh, Voyager. Those are the good ones. Nobody wants the one where where um, what's his name, Scott Dracula is uh, you know, uh, in space with a dog or whatever that one. <laughs> Or um, the furry version, Scott Baculum. Murr. (laughs) (laughs) That was like when I saw Enterprise, I actually started getting mad because they're like, look, every time we go to a planet, we have to do this decontamination thing where we're just going to sit in, we're going to sit in like in our, in tank tops and scrub each other. And it's like, oh, okay, I get it. You're showing tits. And it's like, and I like tits, you know? Like it was like, I like looking at tits. But I got angry because I felt like I was being insulted. Like they're, they were kind of like, yeah, you like tits? Yeah, you like this, huh? Yeah. Huh? Hogs? Which is weird because in Life Force, I did not feel that. Like I can look at Matilda May's tits the whole movie and I feel like clean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like there's a there's a fine line with, with pandering. And I've reached a point in my life where it's really hard to insult my intelligence now. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes you're just like, oh, come on. And uh, I don't know, like, I, I, I appreciated the good, clean pandering of, uh, of Life Force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, those are some... Yeah, it's like capital knockers, as they say in England. <laughs> she is a very beautiful woman. I, I do like how the movie, like, immediately loses <coughs> interest in the two, in the two uh, dude vampires. Yeah, yeah. They're like, nobody wants to see that shit. No, no one cares. <laughs> Ugh, bisexual erasure once again, which I feel quite keenly. I would have liked to have seen more of those uh, those male space vampires. And, you know, cue me getting pissed off when we go into the the sleep chamber where they're in their, you know, glass coffins or whatever. And we get a nice look at Matilda May, um, including, uh, you know, a little hint of pubic hair but the male vampires are very carefully lit so you do not see space dong <laughs> well jan you're all like oh so bi- you're all upset about bisexual race well you got superman now so what are you complaining about <laughs> i mean do we see superman's dong at any point like uh <laughs> oh probably not huh yeah it's comics i i'm not i'm not a comic aficionado so I... well comics are bad so i mean you know 
Well, yeah, and this is, um, you know, Corella is a person who actually knows, considering that she's actually made her own comics. Yes. Yeah. I've I've worked, you know, I don't like to brag, but I've worked, I've, I've worked in the industry, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> but, and, you know, like, your shit is actually good, unlike yeah. a lot of... Um, when I say industry, there's a little asterisk next to that, though, you know. <laughs> the cottage uh, industry. Patrick Stewart being a, a real sport in yeah. the scene. Like, I can't imagine, like, how, like, traumatic it must have been to be, like, shaken and slapped by Steve Reynolds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't like making fun of people for the way they look, usually, but, like, he just has those weird eyes. Like, he's got, like, a weird dead look in his eyes that just gives him that extra feeling of... Um... Uh, not all there and i think when he when he is like doing something aggressive like that it's scary yeah and it kind of illuminates why um you didn't really hear of steve rails back as a leading man no mm. he's definitely like a, a a character parts kind of guy and it is because and you know that's why we love character actors because they have that chaotic energy right and i mean I, I can't imagine like brad duroff being like the uh <laughs> the lead of the movie, but yeah, <laughs> the romantic lead, right? Yeah, yeah, but you know, I, I, it's fun to always see them do their do their thing in the when they show up somewhere. Yeah, and those are often the MVPs of uh, of cinema, especially genre cinema. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, who is it that said that thing where Hollywood? It's weird where they, um, you know, they had to invent uh, a special name for the actors who were actually good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as opposed actors. to pretty ones yeah yeah and then there's the other people it's, it's the morlocks the evil yeah guy. well yeah because a lot of times like you get um you know sometimes you get a, a person of uncanny beauty and they do have charisma which carries them into leading parts and then you kind of you know occasionally you get duds like uh your sam worthington's yeah, <laughs> um, that guy that they cast in uh, the Legend of the Lone Ranger, like that, sure didn't work out. Even though that was a really good-looking guy, um, it turns out that you have to have more than just a pretty face. Uh, I was reading this interview with Timothy Chalamet. I don't know why I was reading it. Um, it was just whatever. I, I mean, I'm not even like into him, and I'm not. I mean, he's fine, I guess. Uh, but like, it was just like reading this. It's like there's just nothing to the interview. He just sounds like he just says every stock thing that you would just fucking ever hear a young <laughs> up and coming actor say, and it's like, that oh, he had so much fun on the set. Yeah, no, it wasn't quite like that. It's just more like, no, I, you know, I'm, he's just talking about his career and stuff. It's like this is a guy who's never had a hard life at all. He's never done a fucking thing. <laughs> it's just like, not again, nothing against him. He's fine, I guess. Yeah, he's, he's, he's you know, I mean. And, Oh, yeah, it was like when they asked uh, Daisy Ridley, like, if she thought she had uh, privilege, and she literally did not understand the question. What? What did she say? I missed that. Well, I think, um, I don't even remember what her response was in any detail, but, you know, basically, she was she was asked if, you know, that was something that she felt had that her privilege had helped her in her career, you know, because she does come from like a wealthy family or whatever. I don't know. Every actor now is like, maybe, you know, maybe not super wealthy, but they come from some kind of pedigree. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. you know, of course they, you know, they asked her like, Oh, you know, do you think that that helped you in any way? And I, you know, she was just like really, she was just like really confounded by the, by the question probably because she hasn't really, 
had to think about how her background has helped her in her career, that she has access to things that a lot of, that, you know, someone from a working class background would not. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause like, it's like, I, I think also in the UK, they definitely have like this just ages old, like, th- you know, pipeline to theater and to movies and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Um, in, uh, but like in America with American actors, you never hear like hardly at all, like the story, Oh, they were discovered, you know, like I, I think, I'm trying to think of the last big star that came out like that. I mean, maybe Chris Pratt or somebody. Is this the like, um, you know, uh, just a regular person before they became a huge like mega star? Yeah, I don't. There aren't really. I mean, yeah, because everyone seems to come from somewhere. The the one that I can think of, and I wouldn't say a huge star, but like a minor star that quickly fizzled, I guess, because he's not Hollywood royalty. The the kid from the Napoleon Dynamite, because you remember he like mm-hmm. was like he, for a hot John minute Hater. they were like put him in everything, and then. Mm-hmm. Then it was like, oh, he's just, yeah, no, he's gone. A lot of times um, actors will make a big splash and then decide that the industry is not for them. They will simply Mm -hmm. walk away from it. And I think that if you're like, uh, oh, well, I don't know, an army hammer, like you're uh, (laughs) you're sufficiently depraved enough that the the sickness of the the film industry just doesn't bother you because like, yeah, fuck it, I want to be rich and famous. But um, okay, oh sorry, wait, wait, I got one. Here's here's just an ordinary, <clears throat> just an ordinary uh, uh, shithead who did stick around in Hollywood, Kevin Smith. Yeah, but he had a he had a very specific niche that he made. Honestly, I have no problem with Kevin Smith. I mean, he's whatever. He's, mean, but... he's not. There's nothing wrong with him. He's just when you you when you hear him talk and you see him and you see his movies, like yeah, he's an average shithead, and yeah. he, he most you don't usually get. People like that usually don't get to make movies. Yeah, so it's yeah. fascinating to see what, like, you know, someone who is, like, just an average shithead would do well, if they got to, to be movies. To be fair, he does have some comedic talent. Like, Well, I think he hit at the right time in Hollywood because that was the, the Spikes, Mikes, Slackers, and Dykes era. Yeah, um, for sure. And I would argue that, he, that his work as a speaker is almost better than his cinematic output. Because I, I have enjoyed, like, a few of his movies, but... You know, certainly is like a visual. I mean, Dogma looks like dog shit. Am I right? Yeah, Dogma but, um... is not his strongest <laughs> film. Um, I'm Chasing sorry, Amy. I why don't you chase up. after a fucking cinematographer? Come on! I <laughs> <laughs> got his ass. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I should clarify. I'm, I'm not trying to be derogatory with shithead. I'm I'm trying to describe a certain kind of persona. You know, very well, New a, Jersey, like a a dork who wears who like wears those ridiculous jorts and like reads comics yeah yeah yes yeah yeah um i mean like if he looked if he looked like ben affleck it might have gone like a little different but you know he's just like i mean hell like he had that podcast fat man on batman yeah, <laughs> that's great. Actually, I love. Like he kn- he knows what his brand is. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh. I mean, I, again, I can't fault him for being where he is and everything. I mean, um, he's living the dream, you know. Yeah, he's living the dream. Exactly I, what he wants. It's just, so. it's just, good for him. Yeah. So, but as far as like actors, yeah, it's like that. You just don't really hear that story of like some guy somebody working their way to the top it's usually just some or being discovered or it's just it's just like oh no they were born into some kind of you know upper class the theater pipeline or something it feels like it's all predetermined and it's just well yeah and like all these all these shitheads know each other i mean like yeah. i am i am bourgeois enough that i was able to go to ucla for a film school but you know my family isn't really connected to the industry at all so you know that's like, a little bit of a strike um the world has also changed to the point where like 
you know, at one point, like that was the the American dream is like, you know, if kids from Iowa would jump on the, you know, turnip truck and go to Hollywood to make it big. And nowadays, I think kids are like, no, no, I'm I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a streamer. I'm going to be, yeah, you know. like they don't they don't have to get on a Greyhound to Hollywood and then get like chewed up and spat out in like a day of the locust type situation. Like they can just like play video games in their room and they can reach a broad audience. Yeah. Yeah. If they're good at it, or you know, if they just have something that people want to see, or 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 make a uh, or make some kind of like uh, you know show on the internet where people come and listen to you uh, talk about um, stuff. Wait, do um, people talk on the internet? Yeah, that, that <laughs> I was thing? trying to make a bad joke about podcasting, but it was just like <laughs> very very badly. The most despicable of the the media options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The, mo- the lowest and most depraved of the mass mediums. That's what I said when I started this. I've joined the ranks of the damned. <laughs> the the Widowmaker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this was right after his face melts. That's when we get like the, that's when we start getting the uh, zombie apocalypse bit. Yeah, yeah. So they, they transport the bodies and they're taking them to like. Uh, yeah, they're going to see, they're going to see the prime minister. They're going to have a meeting at 10 Downing Street. Yes, yes. And and uh, the, in the helicopter on the way, um, they uh, Stephen Railsback is like constantly always explaining something going on. Like he's a lot, a lot of exposition dumps in this movie. It is very funny when he's being hypnotized and he's uh, reading out the number of the license plate. Yeah, <laughs> like he's look like he's just looking at a video, and I'm like, oh, well, you know, that, that's convenient. Yeah, it's <laughs> R. It's R. No, e, nine. E, it's like like the last number. Like he, like he says, it's like either an R or nine or something, or E or nine. And like, I'm like, okay, I hope they got it. Gave me a little anxiety. <laughs> there was a point in the culture where hypnosis could solve any problem. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was. It's like it's like the mental uh, the mental equivalent of that of like you know the Blade Runner the uh, the the scanning of the photograph you know freeze and enhance you know and it's like oh you can go inside the photograph and see these angles that you couldn't see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like hypnosis was the key to like unlock all doors and you know it unlocks the it unlocks the mind of uh, Colonel Carlson. So and we see that he is by now like I think hopelessly wedded to. Yeah, Matilda May. She has taken him as her human pet. Uh, yeah, something I don't know. <laughs> he, he's the bride of Dracula now. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She uses the bodies of uh, the 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 Patrick Stewart and the other guy to uh, manifest. And it's kind of like that scene in Hellraiser. That scene in the helicopter is pretty cool. I was like, oh, that's sick. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's the image on my Twitter. Uh, have you ever seen it? <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, the bloody, uh, the bloody Matilda May. Um, yeah, and it, it, she's just like, "Hey, I'm here," and then she just goes, <laughs> turns yeah. to a pile, blood again, and goes back to her body wherever it is. And so they're looking for a body, but in the meantime, everybody's becoming a life draining life force vampire, and so they're like, oh, everybody's turning on each other. Like the country is basically becoming, I guess, presumably the world. I don't know. I, it's, it's I guess it's unclear, but. Yeah, and then they they threaten to do a threads and just nuke the whole island. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's the only way to be sure. Um, yeah. Um, uh, amen but, to that. Luckily, though, um, it turns out they're like, "Where's your body? Maybe we should check out that like building that's got the giant column of like yeah. know, blue light shooting out of it <laughs> up to the spaceship. Maybe that's where the 
mean, that's significant. Um, yeah. Which I think is a mausoleum, actually, because space vampires, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to have some kind of, like, uh, you know, some kind of crypt or some kind of church. You have some kind of, like, you know, gothic imagery to have, like, yeah. go it's, with It's the thing is, like, you're like, I don't know, is this subtle enough? Is this too subtle? <laughs> are we, we going to figure, are the people going to figure out the parallels between the vampires and the space vampires? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny, funny, because I got a few parts of the movie. Perhaps these are the vampires that inspired the legends. Like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then, but they're like, yeah, they, they make clear, they make explicit. Yes, they. These are the fairy creatures that inspired the vampire legends of yore. Oh, and there's a part in the in the space vampires novel that made me stop short because it is a Lovecraftian novel. So these are definitely space vampires that have existed for thousands, maybe even millions of years you know that that kind of uh terrifying ageless ancient entity kind of thing which is so common to which makes lovecraft lovecraft and they um the scientists who discover the craft with the with the vampires on it theorize like pretty freely in the book about like what they've actually found um to the point where they they arrive at their conclusions like very, very quickly. And yeah. it's a little bit hard to believe. I don't know if maybe that's explained later in the book or something, but one of the scientists uh, just like a bolt from the blue comes. And I think this is a very Colin Wilson thing because he had this obsession with um, what uh, peak experiences mm-hmm. of yeah. humans that, um, <laughs> you know, these moments of extraordinary happiness or insight. Um, I haven't read much into it. So this is a very thumbnail summary of that kind of thing. But yeah. one of the scientists have, has a flash of insight where he's like, Oh my God, like we didn't evolve from apes. We evolved from these space vampires. This is our progenitor race. And, one of the scientists says, oh, and that's why we are so dissimilar to apes, uh, which is a very 1970 thing to say. I realize that because, okay, like DNA had barely been um, really explored at that point. So there was not, there was not like, com- it was not common knowledge that we are 99% similar to chimpanzees. <laughs> but like that sentence was like, as soon as I read it, like I had a moment, like I was like a, a you know, a uh, cutaway egg in a Ren and Stimpy episode where, you know, the soundtrack just goes, Wah, and then, you know, the your face just, like, stretches into, like, a compressed line. You're like, I was like, what the fuck? Like, we're not at all similar to apes? Like, what? Yeah. But, um, I don't know. I really feel like the the movie adaptation didn't really delve into a lot of the ideas that Colin Wilson was trying to put across. And again, like, I have to read the entire book to find out but he definitely delves into like some weird shit in it that is not in the movie also like that stuff's dealt with like in a lot of other works so it's like i could see why they didn't focus on it in the movie like you know for example quatermass in the pit you know like where that's like explicitly yeah. what it's about you know they were making a canon film <laughs> yeah <laughs> um <clears throat> but uh yeah totally speaking of the thanatologist what was his name the death doctor <laughs> Oh, uh, Dr. Faraday or Faraday? Or yeah, something? yeah, the, the guy, the Eugene Levy-looking guy you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. Has, um, so, like, he ha- he he has this, this like, sword. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Uh, it's oh, like... yeah, the sword! Oh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. 
yeah where did he where did he get that like i and this this like i'm not gonna fault the movie on this because i'm it's highly probable that my brain wandered away for a minute i wasn't clear where he got the sword which ends up being important because apparently it's the only way to decisively kill these vampires yeah yeah i think well, at one point he says like you know it's a, it has some kind of metal in it that's like you know the it's like the, the traditional way the only way to kill vampires to kill them right right below the heart um <laughs> Like leaded iron, I think, or something like that. Uh, yeah, it's like not in the heart, but right below the heart, in the energy center yeah. of the human body, which oh, is, yeah, is yeah. I think, a little bit of a of a pull from the the source novel because, like, they're I mean, they are energy vampires. Yeah, it's like and... this vitalist kind of idea of like uh, life force energy. Ooh, yeah. yeah, like think that like you you came up with a smart term for it, which I did not have, but yeah, that totally makes sense. It's like all the, these these odd concepts about energy and the, the human body that somewhat escape me, but it's there, it's, yeah, it's briefly there in the movie. They're yeah. basically like um those dudes in Star Stargate Atlantis, you know, the the, the space the space vampires in that show, which <laughs> just. Uh, here my wife. I've never seen that show. So they have space vampires that also suck energy out. Okay. Oh yeah, makes sense. Oh, uh, my wife just said they're called wraiths. Yeah. But, so like. Yeah. No, but that's a very traditional vampire thing. You stab them through the energy center. Yeah. Yeah, like um, because I guess you know, like the 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 really the really prototypical vampire, whether it's an Osferatu type or a Bela Lugosi type, uh, you stake it through the heart, but right. I guess energy vampires like the energy that they don't suck blood; they suck energy. So yeah. Oh, well, shit. well, yeah, actually, you're right. well, actually, uh, traditionally though, it's interesting. You look, I mean, um, I have this book. It's by this guy named Montague Summers, who's like this guy who's like a he was like a some kind of scholar into like old supernatural mythology and stuff. Oh, and course, hell he, yeah! He took it very seriously. Like he was like, I mean, he he has a book about vampires. Vampires are real to him. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so he's a he's a Dan Aykroyd, kind of. Ex- <laughs> except he's like early twentieth century and stuff. But like, right, uh, there's a famous video where um, I'm sure you guys have seen this. It's like where Dan- Glenn Danzig is doing like showing off his book collection. Oh, <laughs> I think I I I posted that um on our on uh, the Have You Seen This website for our Veronica episode because it awesome. is such a hilarious clip. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so classic, and it's it, like yeah, he's like talking about yeah, it's like uh, this is a this is uh, some history of the werewolf by Montague Summers, uh, lots of uh, documented stories about werewolves, all true, you know. But yeah, so, so this book was written by that guy who wrote that book, right? And right. Um, <laughs> uh, by the way, do check that video out. It is a classic, um, it, or a short film or whatever it is. It's like uh, Glenn Danzig is a treasure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I I'm a <laughs> But I, I've always been a huge Misfits fan, and I do like the first four Dang the albums a ton. But like, yeah, he's always been kind of hilarious, just inherently. He just there's something about him that's just inherently like somebody takes himself so fucking seriously. Yeah, just watch Veronica for proof. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, but uh, but the thing that you really gather from a lot of older vampire stories is that like the distinction between vampires, demons, witches, and a lot of these older mythologies, it's not really as clear, you know, and defined. Yes. So, so like a lot of these things were, you know, so obviously the mythology is different from region to region or country to country area to area, but like the general idea of a energy or soul sucking thing, whether it's blood or your, or your, um, your, your, just your energy, 
so you know like it's it's just that's the common thread through all these things and it's like so that's what i think what colin wilson is really dealing using for his thing yeah because i guess it depends on what you define as like the 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 driving force of the human body right right but blood also is all you know because blood is you know a vital force yeah, vital force yeah. so like yeah so it's all it's all connected with in these stories and these mythologies about vampires and vampiric creatures and stuff but it's interesting because like the distinction that the modern vampire i mean there's you know you have like these like the like the romanian eastern european kind of things the strigoi or whatever they're called mm-hmm. like they're they're very they're not it's not again they have they're they're not it's the rules are there but they're not quite set in stone for on all occasions it's just interesting there's like a lot of variation yeah. like werewolves and vampires and witches are often considered like the same thing sometimes they're just all evil things that are going to you know wreak havoc upon your village or whatever even though um and that's in spite of the fact that vampires are inevitably very sexual monsters well, I don't know about in the original stories necessarily, but definitely the modern kind that came after, um, I mean, Bram Stoker, obviously, but also, you know, other works, you know, the, the fictional vampires that came in the 18th and 19th yeah. century. Sexy lesbian vampires. Yes, yes. Yeah, because, um, yeah, the, the kind of the folk vampire is like, it's more Nosferatu-like. It's like a very monstrous, um, yeah. like undead creature, but... Not as seductive. It's a corpse that has come to life and wants to eat you yeah and then with kind of the the spread of mass media i guess because we're you know as humans we're constantly like working out our our sexual peccadillos through our art uh the vampire became like really explicitly sexual and like i was thinking that watching um uh, steve relves back wrestle with matilda may and the effect that she has on everyone that she comes in uh that she comes in contact with or even just people who are around her like she's able to drain some of the energy of the crew that discover the vampire ship just by being in their proximity and because she's so overtly sexual like it's not hard to tie that back to and this is a specifically <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> this is a this is a specifically male thing the you know, the aftermath of the orgasm and the way that your energy is completely sapped. Yeah. Um, the way the, because, uh, you know, like uh, us broads, uh, we can, you know, we can climax, climax again, climax again, you know, if we're so motivated. But, um, you know, it's like a cultural joke that, you know, a guy gets his nut off and then he just passes out because he's completely spent. Um, that's why you see like all these like uh, crazy like hucksters always trying to tell you not to ever like come or something you know you just gotta, yeah. gotta, gotta control yourself and keep your energy your vital yeah the, the feminine void will suck it out yeah yeah it's like yes I, I deny women my vital essence yes exactly <laughs> yeah because and... <laughs> you don't want to be a coomer <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like um, you know energy vampires like Matilda May in this movie she's like she's sapping the guy's like vital essence like and it's really overtly sexual they lucked out with the casting because she just is so beautiful and she just has like a slight exotic look it sells it uh the whole thing it sells her yeah because she's um a french actress I th- who i think didn't even speak english all her lines are, are dubbed yeah adr yeah and she learned she basically learned them phonetically and um 
she I think she learned English like after production wrapped like she's kind of like obligated to like in order to do like any kind of publicity but you know she does have like a unique otherworldly look and of course because she's she was 20 at the time so she's particularly flawless and that's something which uh, they note both in the book and the movie is that she's perfect like she's really flawless looking and that's also true of the there was very astute casting on the part of the male vampires because um you know in close-up those guys are very exquisite looking yeah they're all very they're all very beautiful they did a really excellent job of getting like um like people who look like they look like idealized humans like i mean it's i mean there's plenty of beautiful people in movies but they really do have a otherworldly look to them and in fact they're so perfect looking yeah i love that bit where um (laughs) steve railsback being steve railsback and like he's he's screaming at the vampire and he's like how are you so perfect it is such an odd line read I guess the casting in this movie makes a lot of these really weird little decisions work. I mean, you believe that guy has problems. Yeah, he's he is enthralled to this uh, <clears throat> space succubus or whatever. Um, I love that phrase, succubus. <laughs> Such a good word, succubus. Oh, she'll suck you, all right. <laughs> There's so many movies about alien women coming down to. Well, you know, broads. Yeah. <laughs> Who can fathom, you know, the mind of a dame, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. Sarcastic. Might as well be from outer space, man. You yeah. Know. <laughs> no, that's really true because, like, the, um, I mean, it is often how women are treated in the popular culture. Like, yeah. What is, she, what is she thinking? Like, why does she act the way that she does? Like, her motives are just unknowable. The thing about women, though, because you, you can't trust them. You, it may not look like it, but this woman may have the mind of a masochist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean that that is like the implicit thing. I remember. I mean, I was. I remember. So I don't remember when I read the some review. It was like some review of this movie that mentioned that this is like it's it's a movie about the hysterical. It's it is about male hysteria and it's about the the male fear of female sexuality. I mean, that's explicitly what it's about. And like. Mm-hmm. It just that unlocked the movie for me when I saw it. There's some bat creatures too, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Do we actually see the bat creatures or just? Yeah, yeah. Dream? We do at one point. We do at one point. They bring one of them in onto the ship earlier in the movie. Yeah, they're like, we'll we'll take these hot people and we'll also take one of these ugly bat things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and um, and we learn that these bat things are their true form or whatever close to their true form and that they they all ate each other on, on the ship they just turned on each other and sucked each other's blood and life force away um which is why they're all dead except for the three they didn't bring enough provisions yeah i don't know why those three though well obviously they're the by the darwinian theory they're the strongest no true true <clears throat> it's like how when uh, praying mantises hatch um most of the young will eat each other it's like sharks in the womb they eat each other yeah yeah <laughs> Which is, so, which is so cool. I don't know why. <laughs> that's so badass. That's such a badass nature fact. Like, that is so how badass sharks are. They're like, yeah, they fucking eat each other in the fucking womb, man. You gotta, gotta hand it to them. Like, that is a way of guaranteeing that, like, the one that comes out is gonna be the one that's gonna do the spreading of the genes, you know? Because it's, like, the, the baddest the baddest of the sharks. I don't know. <laughs> it's, just like, it's just a cool... I don't know. Uh, 
I'm actually start. I think I'm starting to get a little delirious now because. The... <laughs> no, nature is metal. I mean, they pretty much conquered London at that point. Like, um, yeah. You know, Matilda May's doing her thing because she's got her her earthly lover. But the as Peter Firth discovers, the one male vampire that was not stabbed by uh, the the doctor is just basically mainlining all of London's energy into his body. Yeah, exactly. yeah. This is the bit where they tell you, oh, by the way, you know, he jumped into the guard's body, but he can make himself look like things again. <laughs> but yeah, and he takes the sword thing or the spike, whatever it is, the metal thing, and he. Yeah, what is that thing? <laughs> There's just some part where the where the doctor guy orders it or has it arrive, and he says, "Yes, this is it," you know, or something. <laughs> uh, like uh, com. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know where he gets it, but he get but he just has it delivered, literally. Like, oh, the thing has arrived. It's really brief, and other stuff's going on in that scene. But when he kills the vampire, the vampire just goes, "Just come to me. It'll be it'll be less horrifying that way." <laughs> yeah, like don't even try, buddy. Yeah, yeah. But he but he throws the fucking thing at him, and it, the humanoid turns into a big bat and then explodes. Well, this is outside of the church, by the way, where the uh, the cathedral where the uh, where Matilda May and Stephen Railsback are now. Stephen Railsback is gone towards where the column of light was coming from which is this church in the middle of london yeah i mean he was he was definitely going back for for that pussy yeah I mean, <laughs> yeah yeah he, he he can't quit her um steven rails back going back to rail <laughs> <laughs> indeed indeed um of course that like for them it really just seems more just like just smooching each other and just like like you know, it's like a, it's like energy sex. Yeah, I made the note of uh, vampires French a lot. <laughs> um, Very intense. Yeah, it's so like uh, the Peter Firth is like he can't go in there because the energy column is being beamed up towards the ship. The ship is above Earth, collecting all this soul energy, um, and uh, so like he drops the spike to uh, Stephen Railsback, and uh, Stephen Railsback manages to while they are because he can he can't get away from her but he does stab them while they are uh doing their thing i don't know yeah essentially he uh he pins himself right to matilda may which looks like a a pretty standard uh you know climax of the film self-sacrifice but i think it ends up being implied that they just go back up to the ship and yeah it didn't do anything that's the crazy part really? it doesn't really oh. yeah. They just go up there, and it just gets collected by the ship, and the ship goes back to the comet. <laughs> and and then Peter Firth is just looking up at the sky, looking like, well, <laughs> there's like all these dead people around him, and he's just like, huh. <laughs> that's, I mean, oh, that, that, I yeah, don't miss a, that. It's a it's a pretty dark ending. I don't know if they were maybe hoping for a sequel or something like you know, Return of the the Space Vampires, but um. That didn't happen, obviously. No. You do mention earlier in the movie that, like, they, the, every culture they go and visit and, I guess, raid, they take a mate of some kind with them to uh, to learn from or absorb into their collective... Oh, it's like Data and the Borg Queen. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, totally. And um... Everybody wants to fuck Data because of the novelty. Yeah, pretty much. Like, no, yeah, it's I'm really functional. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who wouldn't um, want to ro fuck a robot? I mean, I would. 
<laughs> if they made like if they made like the kind of robots that uh the the uh, androids and gynoids that Hajime Soriyama depicts like I would I would absolutely save up 30 or 40,000 dollars to buy one of those like no question I would eat ramen for the rest of my life to have one of those <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, that's the end of Life Force and then the music comes back on blah 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 so it's a happy ending yeah it's a happy ending I mean he, I mean Steven Resback is is you know back with his uh, is with his true love I guess and uh the carnage on Earth has ended for now. So is Steven Relbeck at the end of the movie, is he now pure energy? Is that the implication that kind of happened? Or well, no, they, they they both are beamed up to the ship, and then he's part of it now, I guess, or something. I don't know. Yeah, the main thing about vampires and, you know, why I was scared of vampires as a, as a small child is, you know, the thing that vampires do is make more vampires. Exactly. Um, that's the freaky thing about them. So, you know, yeah. She wasn't not going to make him into another vampire. Yeah. Maybe she really did love him. Yeah, it's sweet. I mean, you know, and she was his perfect woman because, you know, she, she like, took the, you know, the, I guess, his perfect jerk-off fantasy from his brain and became that. Uh, yeah, yeah. But wait, like, so that means, like, who, like, who, like, um, whose brain did they tap to incarnate the male vampires? Like, was it me? <laughs> Maybe. She phrased it as the most feminine inner part of himself, like the, I guess, kind of like that Jungian idea of the anima or whatever. You know? Oh, yeah. The feminine half of your psyche or something or whatever. I believe Neil Peart wrote a song about that. Yes. Uh, a lot of people have written about um, that in some form or another. Well, you can see what my context is for these uh, philosophical contexts, like secondhand from progressive rock. <laughs> Oh man, but yeah. So that's Life Force. Um, uh, it's on Shutter right now. Yeah, it's on Shutter right now. I I, I had the Blu-ray, so I just watched it um, on Blu-ray. But uh, you guys, uh, all you uh, non-Life Force heads out there, if you want to see it, go um, watch it on Shutter or. Um, Honestly, Shutter's a good deal, and if you're listening to this podcast, I know that you love genre stuff and shutters like 4.99 a month it's it's a hell of a good deal and it's a very nicely curated rotating selection of um often very important horror films um and they've you know they've had things like the devils and you know they got a lot of mario bava like all all any kind of fun horror thing you could wish for so i say i say i say do it speaking of bava planet of the vampires another space vampire movie oh oh yeah that's true. Yeah, which is actually a pretty decent little film. It's like very, it's like a pretty much obvious inspiration on um, the original Alien. Um, there's no creature in it really, but there's like a energy vampires in that one. Bob is <laughs> always Bob is always at least interesting. interesting We've spent a lot of time talking about British perversion. The Italian <laughs> of perversion is like that is my flavor. <clears throat> Excuse me, that is nice garlic soaked perversion. <laughs> Yeah, like the Italian brand of perversion, that is my flavor of perversion because it's about like, I mean, and we talked about this in, on Have You Seen This in the Horror Express episode. Like anytime you get an Italian um, or, you know, like a lot of uh, a lot of these European kind of Euro trash horror movies, like the women are always absolute dimes. Like always. Like the, when you get on, when you're casting on the continent, in genre films like Maron. Oh. <laughs> yeah. 
But it's like, well, they understand. Movies are there for looking at, you know? Giallo, for example. Like, that, and, like, the, the Italians are willing to go, like, depraved in a way that, like, the British aren't a lot of the time. Yeah. Like, because I, I mean, I don't think there, there hasn't been a single Italian genre film that I've watched where I haven't gone, like, Jesus Christ, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah what was the one i think it was the one where the the shark fights a zombie in the water and they actually used a real fucking shark (laughs) it's zombie i think one of the zombie one of the zombie movies full i think it's a fulci movie i don't know it's it's pretty fucked up though well yeah i feel like a lot of those italian um not just italian movies i feel like i've seen more than one non-american horror film where you're like is that a real corpse yeah (laughs) well if it's an animal it almost certainly is a real well yeah but um (laughs) you know what i'm thinking about this and this is a this is a rare bird an ecuadorian film called swamp of the ravens where i'm pretty sure they were in an actual morgue as a guy did an actual autopsy oh really a guy did an actual autopsy yeah yeah very fun movie swamp of the ravens there's a there's a very good riff tracks of it but the movie itself is extremely weird and worth a look but yeah watch life force first and then watch that yeah <laughs> i mean um I, but life force does have a little bit of that between the thing I, I really dig about it i mean for all its flaws is the tension between that extre- extremely you know stuffed shirt you know like stayed british kind of thing mixed with like the just feverish pulpy you know gooey sex uh you know magic well yeah i mean you know like um everything that the that the british try to repress and which oh which inevitably they do it terribly burst <laughs> yeah the surface. that's the best part that's the funny part about it like it's, it's just barely repressed it's like it's just bursting at like this it's like a it's like a big set of tits that's just like busting out of a shirt <laughs> it just can't it just can't stay in there you know yeah and it's the kind of thing that makes you go whoa yeah (laughs) and then uh, the bridge like i say whoa (laughs) but but yeah that feverish tone is like what really really i like about the movie the most i mean obviously the sci-fi shit and the tits i mean you can't i mean (laughs) they are um they are the perhaps um one of the most memorable uh, pairs of breasts in all of cinema. I mean, up there with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and Trading Places. From what I've heard, from what I gather, people who grew up like in the '80s and the, where this was like a cable staple. I mean, this was for a lot of people's yeah. first, uh, you know, um, big nudity movie, you know, or something. Well, my friend who, um, my friend that I went to the Cinematheque with to see this, um, he recalled seeing it as like when he was 13 or 14 which is like the primo age to see this movie his reaction you know after he got over the initial like oh my fucking god this is the best thing ever this chick is just fully naked for this entire movie he said that there was actually a point where he was like so does anything else happen in this movie that's uh (laughs) not just like uh, you know not even that he would would have been able to put like a a name to what he was seeing, you know, like the pulp sensibility, but yeah, you know, he, 
definitely picked up on you know that it's like okay there's a great pair of tits in this but like the movie itself is like pretty pulpy it's 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 in line with what you would expect from golden globus yeah mm-hmm. I, I i i think just the, the thing that makes this a little different from most of those movies is that it really does i mean it i mean it it ha- i mean the production is it does have a sense of scale that a lot of those movies don't usually have there's mm-hmm. there's, a lot, there's a lot of stuff going on in it, i guess well talking it over with with you alex has kind of alerted me to some of the more interesting material in the movie and i wonder if um you know because it came from a a, a little bit of an idiosyncratic kind of source like i mean yes the space vampires is a pulp novel but it was written by a guy who was a you know kind of a frustrated philosopher and who explored like all kinds of weird ideas within the frame of a lovecraftian pulp story and those aspects aren't entirely lost in in the final product because as you pointed out like once you delve into some of the you know just the gender stuff alone it's like oh like you know this says a lot about you know um yeah. This is a lot about society. I don't. I don't mean. <laughs> yeah. I know what I'm saying. Oh yeah, Corella, do you have any comments? Um, I mean, there's a um, sorry, sorry, kind of like I was just listening to you guys because there's a, there's a lot going on here. Um, <laughs> Not in my brain, there isn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's a, it's, it's, it, there's like you said, it's a, it's a pulpy movie, but it's a fascinating. Uh, window into an extremely uh, an extremely British psychosis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, like a lot of the movies that we talk about on Have You Seen This? Like, you know, we, we've looked at a lot of cult movies, uh, things that have flown under the radar, and some things you understand why they're not particularly remarked upon or memorable, but this one, like, you can kind of see why this has a a hold on an audience still because it, it it is like it is a very common uh cult movie that's mentioned and not just because of the breasts no 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 it's all the whole package like i said it's a loaf it's like a bunch of things <laughs> you know which i think comes from a, a a mystery science theater line um yeah movie loaf yeah i think so yeah no it's from uh it's from the uh the mid 90s classic future war and i believe uh it's when mike says um you know this movie is uh it's a movie loaf it's made from real movie parts chunked and formed yes <laughs> yes exactly yeah yeah that's where i got it that, that movie is fucking hysterical that movie's adorable like the cardboard camera <laughs> <laughs> the little dinosaurs are so cute the little puppet dinosaurs and then uh one of them eats forrest j ackerman yeah 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 he's reading his own magazine too and then, <laughs> as one does yes. oh they got a they got a big cameo big get <laughs> but yeah um uh thanks guys for coming on this i really had a great time um i am uh i think I've, honestly i've drained myself of life <laughs> uh been a long time but i really enjoyed this um uh anything you guys need to i mean uh, promote in the near future or have um i, I mean go ahead plug away um uh go ahead Take uh, whoever wants to go first. Okay, Corella, you got a you got a book out right now, right? I always have a book out, but true. Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, if you should you should check me out. Um, I'm at, usually at Twitter at Bitter Corella, where I make jokey jokey japes, 
JP jokes things. <laughs> Take your pick. Yeah, but I'm also at uh, at midnight underscore pals, which is a uh, where I do a comedic microfiction about uh, if all your favorite horror writers uh, would gather on the campfire to tell stories like Are You Afraid of the Dark? Um, and I've got two books available. Uh, DM me there if you want them because it's so indie. You can't get them through Amazon. Yeah, fuck Amazon, to be honest. And um, That's right. <laughs> as I have uh, <clears throat> taken the opportunity to mention several times during this episode, uh, I have a, an odd media podcast called Have You Seen This? Uh, we are available wherever you listen to your fine podcasts. Um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, the Google Play Store uh, finally put us back up. Um, we're being indexed again. Uh, but... If you want to get that primo content, you can go to patreon.com slash have you seen this and you can hear our bonus episodes for a pledge of as low as $2 a month. And uh, some of the exciting things that we've talked about uh, in the past few weeks, we have discussed uh, Fight Club. We have discussed a, uh, a fan edit of The Wicker Man. And uh, coming up, we're going to be talking about uh, Haosu, the Japanese ah! horror film. One of my favorite movies. Yes, uh, that's going to be a really fun one. So uh, look for that for our contri- contribution to Spooky Season. Vampire Kiss uh, episode recently was very good too. Oh, thank you very much. That was a that was that was a great one. Um, that's a <laughs> that movie's fucking wild. And uh, tomorrow, uh, my co-host Tim and I will be taking a look at Faces of Death. Oh, ooh, nice. Yeah, so it'll be very interesting to see how uh, Faces of Death looks in the age of Live Leak and Best Score. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, patreon.com slash have you seen this. Alex, thank you for letting me bloviate at length again. No problem at all. I, again, I enjoy both of you guys, and uh, you guys are good bloviators. So. <laughs> well, we love saucer cinema. Yes. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, same thanks, Alex, for uh, having me on as well. If you have any constructive comments, movie suggestions, or stories of your own otherworldly sightings or encounters, drop us a line at saucercinemapod at gmail.com.